and welcome to the Big Fat Gay Podcast, where we talk about the things that are weighing on our minds. My name is Michael. I am a chaser, and today I am a caramel apple latte boy. Iced. None of that hot shit. It's the summertime. (laughs) (laughs) My name is Don Marshall. I'm a big chubby guy living here in sunny Hollywood, and today I am a lumpy dumpy boy. Oh my God. Still lumpy. Oh yeah. Hasn't gone away yet. Mm -hmm. I was in a car accident last week, so uh, today is one of my first days with no painkillers, so... And this oh, is when cool. we're announcing the GoFundMe for Don's <laughs> yeah. purchase. No, we're not. No, we're not. No, we're not. <laughs> Hi, my name is Dan Oliverio, author, public speaker, and chubby chaser. And um, today I am a well-caffeinated coffee boy. Yes. Hi. There you are. Nice. Hello. Hi. Hello. 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 Yes. <laughs> Hello. I'm Trevor Kizan. I'm a super chip. And today I am a... Uh, I'm an ice water boy because oh yeah once our, more yeah our fridge broke um, and we had no ice and what you have to understand for treasure is a major tragedy no I'm the yeah. same way yeah. like <laughs> I need ice I need ice yeah. need ice especially I mean it's like 90 degrees routinely yeah summertime. well I mean one of the, one of the things that Trevor was worried about if we go to Europe is like they don't have enough ice no that's <laughs> no that's, it's like you get like a ice cube <laughs> <laughs> um, well hello we're we are back once again for our show on a Sunday morning, which is just wild. Um, <laughs> the Lord's day. <laughs> How dare we? And it's 1030. I, mean, I don't know. This is, this is sort of my church. That's true. I'm here that's to preach. You know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to spoil the surprise, but we have a special guest. The Lord is coming on the show today. Yeah. <laughs> I, just okay. know, I, I just don't know which Lord. What would us speaking we, of Patreons, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, um, we felt we were falling behind post COVID. Yeah. Uh, it was a slow recovery. Yeah. But we have stuff on Patreon. We just will have released a, a new Patreon episode of mm-hmm. Dan and Don, uh, talking about being big gay uncles, mm-hmm. gunkles, gunkles, as they're sometimes known. And, uh, we've also come up with a new segment of the show of which there will be another one this week for this episode. You, you mean for Patreon or, uh, for Patreon. Yeah. Um, right, right. New segment for Patreon, which is basically the cutting room floor. It's all the stuff that the cutting room floor. Uh, <laughs> and sometimes there are there are quite a few segments. What do you mean? Are, are you <laughs> implying that we go on to tangents? Oh that... no, we forgot our timer today. By the no, way, no, I have it going. Oh, Ter- Trevor has a timer. Going. We're in, we're in five minutes, so uh, <laughs> I think we already got some stuff. <laughs> anyway, the point is that we are we're continuing. We're getting back on the wagon. Um, doing doing good stuff on Patreon, yes. so feel free to go out, yeah. check out, out, support if you haven't already. Yeah, yeah. Um, a, a full time editor is not a cheap endeavor, so we are we are going to do our best to make sure that if you are our Patreon, you will feel appreciated, you will feel supported. There will be stuff for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if it, so, it's September now. I think. Mm, yep. Yes. 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 Or just barely. Oh, no, I don't no. know. I think, I think it's the thirty first. Yeah. So this is dropping on the thirty first on September fifth. We have an episode uh, minisode. Patreon exclusive scheduled to drop. It's Dan and I, our yes. first ever mini-sode. That's right. Uh, <laughs> we never talked about, to each other. It's a good thing we scheduled that. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> talking about um, kind of like domestic life as, you know, Chaser and Super Chub. Mm-hmm. It's fun. We get into some, some I, stuff. I got to, so I, I ended up editing that episode. And I got to listen in, and it was quite fun because they talked about me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, no. Um, and I think, I don't know, we had uh, some ideas for, um, I think, maybe like a Zoom thing that would not just be for Patreon, but I think the recording would live there. But anyone can take part. I think we're, we're more on that later. Yeah. It's a it's teaser. Favorite. It's like a little. That's an everybody. A, an amuse bouche yeah. for your brain. <laughs> Anyway, so all of those things aside, let's a get to <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's get let's, let's let's get started. Let's get started. <laughs> um, we the first thing we have is an article in Esquire by oh, yeah. by the inimitable Harvey Guillen. Um, now I want to I want to set us up with I would love to tell the story of this article in the same way that he does because it ruins it to like because it is a story yes um, of his childhood and and growing up. Basically, yeah, so, we, we might want to set this up like Harvey Guillen is uh, plays Guillermo in What We Do in the Shadows. Mm. Yes. Um, fat gay actor, uh, Mexican heritage. I think he grew up in the United States, mm-hmm. um, but went back to visit family in Mexico pretty frequently. And he sets up the idea of sort of machismo in Mexican culture um, and the expectation for um, Mexican boys to be the man of the house, to be the, you know, that, the master of all. The, that's what they're being raised for. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what they're being raised for. You've hit the lottery, as he says, when you when you have a boy. 
um, and that pressure that that puts on you to be this, you know, this figure. And if you aren't that, it makes it that much harder to to mm-hmm. be who you are to come out. And so, well, I was just going to say that one of the things he brings up is it it, it becomes an embarrassment to your family if yeah. you if you're not turning into that man, mm-hmm. yeah, as a boy. That was something that made me think a lot. Is that you know when coming out is not just going to be you know, unleashing a load of hardship on yourself, but knowing that it's actually going to invite hardship on your family too. That's rough. Well, and I've, I've heard that from a lot of, I've heard that from a lot of Latino guys where it's, you know, uh, a friend of mine, he's, he came out to his mother and she says, Oh honey, that's fine. Just don't tell anyone. Don't tell me don't tell the family. I mean, I don't, I, I am super white, but I know like for me coming out, it was initially rough on my mom because like she was just concerned about the, you know, being a single mother, like the, like, Oh, well he's gay because you're a bad mom. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Well, that, gets, that seems a little more old fashioned, but that yeah. was definitely a factor when I was growing up. Oh yeah. yeah. No, my, my, my parents fought about what made me gay. <laughs> uh, piano lessons were a top of the list for my father. <laughs> Oh, wow. <laughs> my father was at the top of the list for my mother. <laughs> she blames him for everything. I don't know why. I like the, You did this. I like the idea of touching a piano and just like, <laughs> It got him. I got the, the power gay of Liberace compels me. The power of Liberace compels me. Um, anyway. <laughs> so back to Harvey. <laughs> oh, Raj Harvey, yeah. Um, yes. So... Uh, he tells the story about going back to visit uh, to visit family in Mexico uh, when he was a young, young kid. He doesn't say exactly how young, but young enough that Tonka trucks were his jam at yeah. the time. So mm-hmm. I'm guessing, you know, three, four, five, somewhere in there. And he's playing by himself on the street, and he sees some some local kids playing down the street. And he's like, oh, I'll, I'll go hang out with them and make some friends, and we can all play. And so he goes down, and they, upon seeing him, before he even gets a chance to say anything to them to introduce himself – they call him Mariposa. Mariposa, which is literally butterfly. literally butterfly, but it's it's really just a nice cutesy term for faggot. Yeah, and they start chanting this and 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 yelling this at him, and he's mm-hmm. confused because he doesn't even know what that means. No, uh, he just knows that they're making fun of him somehow, and so he turns around to leave because he's been rejected. And then they start throwing rocks mm-hmm. at him, and as he like turns back to see what the hell's happening. One of them hits him right in the top of the head. He's bleeding, um, falls down in the street, has to run back home crying and bleeding and gets to his mom and tells her what they said about him mm-hmm. and what they called him and asks her, what does this mean? And do you want to... Uh, she basically says, what do they say? Que importa lo que digan? Yeah, que importa lo que digan. Basically, she says, butterflies are beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I should, and, I should probably amend that butterfly is probably a better translation would be sissy. Mm-hmm. Um, they're beautiful. I will say reading this article, I mean, th- this made me cry reading it. It was such a, it was such a twist mm-hmm. and the way he wrote it is phenomenal. Even though we've sort of spoiled the ending for you, it's still worth reading in his words mm-hmm. um, to, to go check it out because it's just, and it's not long. No, you know, it's a handful of paragraphs, but it's just so concise and so to the point and so beautiful and his point was the people around you can surprise you. The people around you can be the support that you need them to be, even if the culture and what you're expecting is is not setting you up to believe that to be the case. Well, and I, I mean, so spoiler, like hit that skip forward 15 seconds button a couple times. <laughs> I think the point of this article releasing now is that uh, Guillermo comes out in this season of What We Do in the Shadows. Which has been a long time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Why didn't you tell me spoiler warning? I haven't seen the show yet. No, well, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's in my head. I'll skip forward my life by 15 seconds. <laughs> um, anyway, fantastic read and sets you up nicely to get hacked off at the knees for our, <laughs> yeah. for our next. <laughs> I love how we do that. Yeah. We, uh, so we in, love a good gotcha. Oh, boy. In the Washington Post, uh, there was. Who, who an, wants to tackle this one? An article. Matt Gates came for a teenage activist who was, I don't even really know how it started. Uh, I mean, talking about abortion rights, but just came for this uh, yeah, she was, woman, she, um, she, she Olivia was, Juliana. Mm-hmm. She, was mining, she was minding her own activist business, and it was a, I believe in Texas, and it is a abortion rights rally. And 
all of, from out of, I don't know, Matt Getz plucked her out of anybody he could have picked as like, you know, why is it that all these abortion activists are so worried when, you know, basically what he said was, you know, when they don't have to work because no one's going to, no one wants to fuck them. Yeah. I mean, he said, he said a lot uh, that was worse than that. He said a lot that was far more um, insulting than that. The one that hit the news the most, let's at least use that as our touchstone, was that mm-hmm. he said she looked like a thumb. Not no literally, but, but no, like, these no one wants to fuck a thumb. But basically, yeah, that this is indicative of the type of person who is arguing uh, for abortion rights. And it's incredibly insulting and dismissive. And that was his point. But that's not what we're talking about. Mm. We're talking about the response to it in the Washington Post, which was this wonderful article about how so many people have been where this where this woman has been. Specific, sorry, just to loop back in specifically that they're unfuckable. She's unfuckable because she's fat. Yes, yes. That I don't know if we said that, but that was the mm. that's the link here. And then she. She, she turned this, this in. She turned this around so brilliantly. She turned this into a whole. She ended out of his comment. She ended up raising, I think, one point seven million dollars for it, abortion rights. It went up since then. It's, past it's two over million. two. Yeah, two, over two million dollars. Two point one something, according to a comment. The thing that I'm still annoyed about is I don't really feel like Matt Getz has faced any sort of blowback. Oh, of course this not. Stuff. Of course not. Well, no, because there's mm-hmm. a whole bunch of people who completely agree with him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the one of the so reading this, especially reading it like we do in the show right after the Harvey Guillen mm-hmm. op-ed was just brutal um, because this article starts with a lot of what's being said. The first half of it, if you want to kind of just get to the good stuff, I would skip maybe the first half of the article if you don't want to <laughs> feel triggered by some really awful language. Um, I, I will how- say it's the first time I'd actually seen all the comments listed out. Which yeah. is good because I don't, it doesn't need to get any more airtime. No. Yeah. yeah it doesn't I, need to be. I was around. shocked because I'd, I'd been following this and I saw bits and pieces, but I did not realize the extent of, of his tirade of and, his rant. Yeah. Because yeah. I didn't, I had never, I had never seen the whole thing until this article. But I, the, one of the nice things eh, mixed, I guess, but mostly nice was going into the comment section, um, which I would never normally do, but sometimes I feel obligated for research purposes. Well, and after our last episode, yeah, exactly. I was very curious to see what, what the comments, what was be. going on in the comments. And, and that was one of the results of, of her doing the, um, of, uh, Juliana sort of turning this around was that the people who were standing with her for abortion rights we're also standing with her for anti-fat bias rights. I mean, like, fat, fat rights. Yeah, fat <laughs> rights. Like they were, yes. <laughs> we don't need quintuple negatives <laughs> yeah. here. Um, they were standing up not just for the abortion rights, but also for fat rights. And those two things happening in tandem mm-hmm. was fantastic. And similarly, in the comments, most of them are extremely fat positive and protective of her. But there was one that yeah. kind of loops back to last episode. Oh my God, it was... So it's a tirade against Trump calling him a fat orange pig. Yeah. And just they keep repeating the phrase fat orange pig. And then there's a response to the comment like, this just proves that you missed the entire point of the article. Yeah. Yeah. Your response to fat shaming is fat shaming the fat shamers. And the the person who was talking about (laughs) Trump being a fat orange pig then doubled down on it. Yeah. And they always do because I've I've gone up against that online too where I'm like, "Uh, excuse me, you might want to check that. And they're like, no, no, absolutely not. I mean what I said. And, you know, if I really hate that, I'm I'm like, are you really going to say that if you hate the person enough, then fat shaming's okay? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's just like, we, you have a, Olivia, Olivia Juliana's story in this article, you have the reporter, uh, Teresa Vargas, mm-hmm. talking about her firsthand experience with body shaming yeah. from people. And it's like, there's just, there's so many layers mm-hmm. to this talking about why it's wrong and just, <laughs> but you push past all of that yeah. and just yeah, use the big fat orange. But it's okay. Yeah. Cause it's Trump. <laughs> and it's like, ugh, I mean, when you make me, defend a sentient sentient bag of garbage (laughs) it just sentient is a strong (laughs) word (laughs) i i like that this really turned into a boon for gen z for change for olivia juliana congrats save us gen z yeah it's Uh, a social justice wushu yeah she just took that momentum (laughs) and turned it right back around Um, and i don't know I, i mean this was rough after uh harvey's beautiful piece but it's also the perfect thing to take us into oh, Fat right. Watch because it builds. It's Scooty. <laughs> 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 
feel the wind. I actually don't feel the wind. I normally like have this like thing in my head of like really feeling the wind. I don't feel the wind today. I so I did <laughs> I did lower the volume a little bit for the for the eagle cry. <laughs> <sighs> You're welcome, everybody's eardrums. <laughs> um, so Trevor. Yes. We have a very special fat watch this week. Yeah, it's fat watch uh, DIY, which <laughs> um Oh yeah. This is something that kind of turned into a fat watch because I wanted to talk about it. So last Sunday, I was taking Lyft and as a lot of fat people do, and you know, probably a lot of listeners included, I booked Lyft XL because I'm like, I need a car I'm going to fit in. In LA, most of the cars I feel like in Lyft are larger, Mm -hmm. but it's just one of those things like, am I going to get a Lyft or am I going to be in uh, a Prius or there was some other car. Booking, booking the XL ensures you'll get a large car. Yes. Yeah. Um, Oh my God. There was one time, I don't know how I got into the car. <laughs> like it pulled up and I just was like, I don't know how this is going to work. That's why I book XL. Yeah. And it was a, a minivan and it's pulling up and it's going really, really slow. And I was like waving <laughs> and the guy actually like waved too, but it was still like going really slow. And he pulls up and he's like, I don't think this is going to work. Uh, and I was kind of confused at first. I was like, well, like I'm like, I'm going to get in the back seat. He's like, no, I don't think you're going to fit. Like, it's a fucking minivan. How are you not going to fit? It's like the largest, most cavernous <laughs> kind of car, okay. like passenger vehicle. And then like I open the door, but it's a minivan. So it's like an automatic thing. And he's like, no, it'll open automatically. And then like, it doesn't. Cause I, oh, cause I started. Cause to the open car it. was also fat. <laughs> yeah. The car was scared. Um, and he's like, okay. And like, I'm getting it. And he's like wincing and groaning as you're what? getting in as the car. As I'm getting in. And then like, I'm, then I'm in. What a douchebag. And it's like, I, Clearly, if, and he's like, "Oh, like I can't. I, you need me to move the seat up." I'm like, "No, like it's fine. Like I'm, I'm in. I fit." I, like, I have actually fuck? done this before. Yeah. If you look I, at my Lyft <laughs> profile, I've ridden hundreds of times. Yeah, hundreds of normally bands. I go with a pickup truck option, but yeah. today, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, a, or, a tra- or a trailer, yeah, yeah. Um, so he <laughs> makes small talk. Well, because now, like, now he's now he's fine, right? Now that he knows the eagle yeah, has landed, and it, but it's like so there's small talk, and then it's just like it's. Pleasant but uncomfortable still because it's like this is just like mm. it's this is weird now. There's no salvaging this. No, I see. I think he actually forgot all about it. Maybe I didn't. I was <laughs> yeah going through you? like a whole a whole bunch of whatever. I talked about it with Dan when I got home, and I assumed he thought I was going to break the seat. Well, the wincing and groaning every time you move suggests that he was afraid of damage to yeah. the car. Which again, it's a minivan and like. I don't know. It's not like you're trying to fit on his miniature pony. It's not like you're made of granite. <laughs> yeah. And like, I still gave him a good tip because we live in a capitalist hellscape and I, I reported it to Lyft and like, I'm not, it's like, I don't want him to get fired, but like, this is, it's weird. Cause he is the problem, but he's not the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was like looking at this and I was dealing with it and I Lyft has anti-discrimination policies that do not, include body weight or body size. Hmm. They have things like um, medical conditions, which we know there are organizations that are trying to. Oh get, yeah. To get yeah, the whole uh, Nova Nordisk. We go V all that stuff, you know, obesity, like they're, it's a medical condition. P- these people are sick, which <laughs> yeah. is like, so, but I, but I don't think lift include like, it's like, Oh, well fat people have a medical condition. Like, no, that's, that's a separate thing. Yeah. So I reached out to, People may have seen this. I was doing like a survey on Twitter, which what won this? I was like, have you experienced fat phobia and left? Yes or no. And then I also gave an option because um, it was it was talking to fat people. So have you experienced this? Yes or no. And then traditionally on uh, Twitter, you want to include an option for people who are just snoops and want to see the poll results before the polls over. Okay. So the most con- <laughs> it was 50 50, except for. A lot of people wanted to know the answer to this. That was me. <laughs> uh, and then I did, I asked people for stories on Instagram and I got a lot of kind of just horrible stories. People having a lift pull up to them and then cancel when they saw them. People being asked to get out of the car because, you know, oh, you're bottoming out my car, you're too fat, get up. Well, what, what, didn't you get one like, uh, my brakes were fine until you got yeah. in. Two, uh, Your brakes. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> 
Someone really? said, "How uh, old is that car?" Yeah, people. Someone uh, being told not to try to put on the seatbelt because the last fat person that did that broke the seatbelt. But so I was like, just looking at this, and I'm like, I want to do something, but I don't want like I don't want the guy fired. Like that doesn't help anything. That it. Mm-hmm. So I realized, I'm like, I am a member of the oldest fat activist organization <laughs> in the, not only are you certainly in the country, if not the world, I am uh, you know, on the board. I'm yeah. on the board. You've got I a chair committee. More importantly, have, you have a email address. Yes. And I just got me. my NAFA email address Ooh. and all these things are kind of coming together. I'm like, I am not going to reach out through customer service. Cause I mean, yeah, no, it's not going to be helpful. I, have found there is a diversity and inclusion team at Lyft. So I am hoping I am, I'm going to be reaching out as a member of a national organization. Uh, we'll see what happens. You, you heard it here first that this uh, story will be updated yeah. as we continue. And I didn't release, I had seen this, this article about uh, Olivia Juliana and everything. I had not really made the connection until I was piecing together the episode that like, you know, you can take a really horrible situation and look at what can I do with this? What can I do to further my cause to help people not have this happen to them? I don't know. You have a whole bunch of lemons <laughs> pegged at you and now you can make some margaritas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Two million dollars worth yeah. of lemonade. <laughs> and Trevor has a NAFA email address. Yes, that's so, also true. Send him <laughs> your problems. Yeah. I he'll mean, do it for you. Okay. Well, congratulations to Trevor for starting the Lyft revolution. Yeah. Hopefully. We'll, we'll, we'll check back in about that as it develops. Hopefully Lyft does the right thing. Mm-hmm. I don't think we really have a segue here. Um, main subject time. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> well, no. So la- last week at the end of our main subject. Oh, oh this, yes, that's true. Okay. This kind of came up through i don't really just know just our natural yeah, conversation natural conversation and we're like oh this would be a really good main topic and, just and if of, you were on patreon you'll know this from having heard the cutting room floor yes episode but basically talking about as fat people as people love fat people food and sharing food and like the how that can be complicated as fat people mm-hmm. how it can be fat joy as fat people sharing food yeah um and and how your whatever your relationship to food is if you have issues with it, which I feel like chasers and chubs the world over yeah. have some yeah. kind of complicated relationship with food and how having a relationship with the other person can doubly complicate your relationship with food. If you're both going through an issue at the same time and mm-hmm. blah, 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 like it just, it all gets complicated and we all have experience with that. And it's not just a localized thing. we're not just talking about sitting at the table and feeling awkward, but like mm-hmm. in a lot of cultures, the act of sharing food, is one of the biggest bonding experiences for friends and family, right? <laughs> which is where, which is where also where a lot of shat, uh, fat shaming occurs. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, I've made jokes about it on the show before, but like I grew up in a family that food was the bridge, right? From grandparents to me, to my parents, you know, uh, a shared meal was the point of communication and everyone in my family could cook very well. So you would have this simultaneous act of sit, share, be part what I'm putting in front of you is an expression of my love. Mm-hmm. And then immediately after, you know, you're pretty fat. Like yep. you probably uh-huh. shouldn't be eating this, uh, which is an equivalent functionally. If you really break it down, you are offering someone your love and then shaming them for accepting it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. that is the literal equation there. My grandfather was giving me some sort of like diet speech. <laughs> and my, my mother pointed out that he was lecturing me about diet with a piece of bread in his hand and gesturing to me with mm-hmm. it. <laughs> it was literally simultaneous. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's phenomenal. My Growing up for me, it was a lot subtler than that. I mean, there wasn't, you know, there was kind of, in, in the area was a lot of like, oh, you know, you got to be, you got to be fit. You got to be mm. this to do, to play soccer, whatever you want to do. And so there wasn't, there wasn't a whole lot of overt fat shaming. I don't think either of us, any of us as kids were really fat. I, I felt fat. I was sort of not, thin so mm-hmm. it felt fat but there was a lot of like the, the foods that we ate so i mean trevor i think pretty much all of you know this like i uh, have to eat gluten-free for the most part because i have i, I don't have celiac disease i have a, an intolerance that is bad enough that i feel sick if i eat any significant quantity of gluten uh, but when we were kids 
we ate pasta almost every night of the week. Mm -hmm. um, we drank milk with every single meal and I have a milk protein allergy. And like the, all of these things, I'm sure they're not related whatsoever. <laughs> but as a kid, eating food for pretty much any meal meant that I felt sick afterwards. Just for like my entire childhood. <laughs> a spoonful of rat poison for dessert. Yeah. I'm surprised you even like food after all that. I love pasta, but I can't eat it. My, um, yeah. My family is, I feel like, very similar to Don's, where like food was always a big deal. I In our mini-sode, uh, my mini-sode with Michael, we kind of, mm. I, I think I talked about this. There was a whole thing of like the pre meal meal of festivities, which oh, is festivities. like crackers, <laughs> crack, cheese and crackers. Oh, um, Festivities, no. it's like festivities hot, if they could if they, hot orders if the festivities sure. couldn't be poured they were less important <laughs> yeah <laughs> well also a, a lot of alcohol lot that of also alcohol. just like lots like just a table full of snacks and it's like well dinner's hmm. not for a few hours and i i also that lots of alcohol lots of alcohol i have stories people i have stories <laughs> um of trevor's family but like there was there wasn't a lot of food shaming but i remember like with my grandma you could never eat the right amount. Mm. I mean, this kind of applied to like hmm. everything with her where it's like a gift was either too much or not enough. And it's like, you're <laughs> yeah. either eating too much or not enough, but like you never hit that sweet spot with that was, with I, I heard a story uh, when my dad introduced my mom to his extended family. Um, and she was never really all that accepted by my dad's family. I think they sort of tolerated her, but when he was first introducing her, they, they all had a big family meal together and I think afterwards, I think they said this in front of her. I can't remember. But one of the family, probably matriarchs, said something to the effect of, well, at least she eats well. Uh, yeah. And like, I think, <laughs> I think that's meant to be a compliment in some way, somehow. I, I don't. Well, let's just say, like, it, it is a backhanded compliment at best. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> the only other, the, the, the alternative is, like, we hate her and she's fat. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like, it was very much a, like, well, this is the least I can say. I don't know. I think the best case scenario is it is merely a slight at a previous partner. <laughs> <laughs> Potentially, yeah. I mean, they famously didn't ever really accept her. So it's, oh boy. yeah, it's, it's all dicey. It's all complicated. But of course the question in my mind is like how much, how many comments of those has she heard? Her mother was fat. Mm -hmm. And then how many of those things basically spilled out on us as kids? Well, I was, yeah. Cause your whole childhood is filled with these stories of like alternative nutrition. And yeah, we were very, my mom, carob and soy and vegan early. I think before veganism was a really a thing at all. I mean, uh, I mean, it was a thing, but it wasn't the thing the way it is now, where it's basically... Mm -hmm. Where it has a flag. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, one of the reasons to talk about it, besides it just, you know, it's it's to reveal the fact that, you know, this is a universal thing. It happens to a lot of bigger people in a lot of ways, but we don't talk about it with each other. So the isolation we get from our families in those situations, we end up isolating ourselves with. So one... Share with share with other people what you're going through and how do you change it, right? Hmm. I think the only way to change it is so like when I when I tried to lay it out, one of the things I tried to lay out is it's not just that you're telling me I'm fat and I should have eaten less, right? Mm -hmm. Explain what the situation is, right? We are sitting together as a family. We are sharing a meal and we are bonding with each other. And then you are telling me, even if you don't mean to, right? You stress that you are pushing me out of that situation and making me feel bad for participating in it. Mm -hmm. Right. So you are taking my family away from me. Mm -hmm. Right. If you can lay it out in terms that plainly, I think it helps change the conversation from food to feelings and actions. It might, you know? I can see a lot of times where people have tried that and it mm -hmm. turns into some version of, Oh, well don't be so sensitive. Mm -hmm. In oh, the, God. Uh, I, I can agree that where that's people a likely first response, but I, I, let me, let me just yeah, sure. caveat on this one. I think that for a lot of people that that's the way they'll react in the present. And then the thought will linger. And th for me, change never happens during the conversation. It always seems to happen, you know, a few hours or days after. Well, it's certainly mm -hmm. a great starting point in my experience. <laughs> and I have a lot of experience where either with my own, with my own uh, parents or with other people's parents, because I've been coaching them. Um, it turns into, no, what I'm telling you, you know, you're, you're feeling bad is not my fault. I'm just telling you the truth and oh all this shit. And 
And you're right, Don. I think where mm-hmm. you, what you're talking about is absolutely a place to start. Mm-hmm. And for some people, they've tried that. For some people, they have whatever feeling you have about it. I think the other thing that I'm a huge advocate of is nobody gets a vote on your body. Mm-hmm. Nobody gets to vote on you. And training people, not so much in what they say and how they say, because that, that can be a landmine situation. Unless, you know, you can you know you can have the conversation with the person, which maybe you can. But training them that we're not going to have this conversation at all all. Mm -hmm. We are not going to have a conversation that involves what I eat and how big I am. That is just not a conversation that we are going to have. And I have found that very often people have to back it up with action because you say that and then two words later, (laughs) bang, Mm. there we are back in the conversation. (laughs) And so I've actually recommended to people that, you know, sometimes you might actually have to leave the room because that's the only way not to have the conversation. And you can train them, you will train people that, oh, wow, they really mean it. You can't have that conversation with them. They mm. will go away. There was um something that happened. This was, I don't know if it was the end of last year or earlier this year. Um, this was not a, this was an example of someone removing themselves. It was not about fat or body weight, but my sister was having a very unpleasant dinner with my brother and mom. And she just left, which- yep. I have always wanted to do. Exactly. Uh, I've never done. <laughs> she set the and, precedent. Yeah. <laughs> no, it hasn't. It's tremendous power. I, I will say I've, I, many years ago, I got into the habit of warning my mother every time she insulted me over mm-hmm. the phone, strike one, right? I wouldn't say what it was, strike one, and then strike two, and then I would hang up Yep. after the third insult with no discussion. Mm-hmm. And that created a rage in her, a white hot rage <laughs> mm-hmm. that no one else will ever be able to understand unless you've had a supernova go off in your ear. But it made the point. It sure did. stopped me doing that shit over nice. time. So yeah. I think one thing that Don is, is pointing to, which I've experienced a lot, and I finally started kind of wrapping my head around, is that I suspect this is a common experience, is that the act of eating with another person or many people is an unexpectedly vulnerable thing. Mm-hmm. Like you, there's for many people. Yeah. And like, especially in our culture, which stigmatizes food and the choices of food that you have and how much you have. And there's so much that if you eat with somebody or people that you, that don't do that, that don't look at you weird for whatever it is that you're choosing to eat. Um, you kind of have, it, it creates this intimate bond, even if you don't otherwise have an intimate, intimate relationship with them. Um, and especially I think also opens the door to having intimate conversations with people. It, it, there's just a lot of like closeness wrapped up in having a food experience that is positive. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and therefore can make it that much more painful when people do slime you mm-hmm. um, in the middle or at the end of a, a meal. And for me, one of the things that's, that's sort of come up is that if you're, specifically with a partner is kind of where I'm, I'm looking at it. Cause my eating with my family, it's more a function of like stress around picking what restaurant, <laughs> like you have no idea. You have no idea. I walk out of those conversations. That's me removing myself. <laughs> I just leave the room. I let them figure it out. They stress about it. Um, but if I'm, you know, eating with my partner, there have been so many times where it's whatever the decision is being made is, more for them than it is for me or more for me than it is for them. Like the type of food, like for instance, my ex um, would have, would order pizza every Saturday. That was just the tradition. It was a comfort day. It was pizza, football. And I didn't know at the time that I was gluten intolerant and would participate. And then I would feel awful the next day to the point that we went to Catalina Island the next day. And I, I was just asleep the whole day. Like we were out and about in the sun and I kept, I had no energy. I was like, I was lethargic to an extreme. And so, so then I would sort of remove myself from that situation with him. But then that created tension where I, he felt like I was judging him mm-hmm. when I was trying to protect my own. And like all of these things, if you don't really have an understanding of what your relationship with food is, it can create tension in your relationship with that person mm-hmm. um, until you start to unravel it. And so for me, a big part of what has really helped is learning how to cook. Mm. And creating a different relationship with food that isn't based around binge eating or, you know, guilt and shame. And then like, oh, well, I'm going to exercise. I'm going to try and lose weight. And then I'm going to do this. And I'm going to eat healthy in quotes. Like all of those things that everyone has at some point had to deal with. For me, cooking and making food a purely sort of expression of love 
has really revolutionized the way that my partner and I share food together. Well, I would say with Trevor and me, we rarely eat the same things at the same time. (laughs) We really, we we live kind I mean, despite the fact that we both work from home and so we're always in the same domicile. And I've heard tell that you're married. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And so, but we rarely like lunch very commonly consists of us coming back together into the living room, but with our respective lunches. Mm -hmm. And I totally get what you say about, you know, food as an expression of sharing love and relationship. But you know, that doesn't mean you have to eat the same food. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. Yeah. And, and I know you're not making that point, but I think sometimes, because this happens in Chub Chaser relationships, like you end up eating the same food. Yeah. Well, and then the, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Then the chaser or the same quantity of food is, is more how yeah. I would put that. Yeah. And the chaser ends up gaining weight. And it turns it, into Chub for Chub. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Which I, that, I mean, that's I don't, great, know, but I don't that's, know that I would take it quite that far as far yeah. as my own body trip, but I have fluctuated weight wise yeah, quite a lot. Well, the, the point I wanted to make about that is that another way to share love is like, I very frequently make breakfast for Trevor. I don't oh. eat that breakfast, but I make breakfast for Trevor because that's an expression of my love. I know, that I know. Is we so need to, sweet. You have to tell the yeah. full story here. Oh. So, <laughs> how does breakfast work in this household? So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love this story. Dan liked, like, would got in the habit of making me breakfast, but it was always this thing of like trying to time it right so it didn't mess up his morning and so we could just kind of like because i'm a morning flow. person and i do things in the morning and, and so then yeah. and, and so then making a morning breakfast and anyway yeah and trevor's not and trevor hates making breakfast because he's asleep yeah <laughs> um <laughs> and so, i hate making dinner because i'm busy or tired mm. you know dan was trying to come up with a system so that I could order breakfast the night before. Kind of like a hotel where you yeah. hang it on the door. <laughs> trying and, to and well, yeah. succeeding. <laughs> well, no. So because he was trying, he was trying to do this as like a PDF. And it was a whole, we, there was <laughs> like, many a PDF form, yeah. like a PDF form you could click and like, you know, there was a lot of boxes to check. A lot of iterations. Of <laughs> he this started tech- on his typewriter. <laughs> <laughs> there were a lot of iterations of this technology before I. <laughs> Trevor solved it. Found JotForm where I made a an online form that I could fill out <laughs> and submit it. And it would email Dan. So Dan would get an email with my breakfast order. I love it. You know, like 1130 midnight or something. I know it sounds like overkill, but if you're a planner like me, it is wonderful to know like, Oh, tomorrow morning I'm going to need to prepare this. So maybe I want to take out the sausage ahead of time. So it defrosts or blah, blah, mm-hmm, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. Or maybe I want to set up the pan for the bacon to be ready. Cause I don't want to, you know, I don't want to take the time to do that. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I'm just wondering if there's a way for me to sneak in my order. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we do do the podcast in the morning. <laughs> if you want to get but, here a little earlier, but I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, I think you laugh at it, Michael, because you find it like, I don't know, overkill. <laughs> no, I actually, no, it's not that. I laugh because I can see myself doing the same thing. There you go. And But I think it would be more like, I, it's more like I wish I had the free time to do that whenever we wanted. To. Just set the alarm for six. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if, if you want it as an, as an option, because this is, I have actually fallen out How of the habit of like, you. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think something, uh, to kind of veer away from my breakfast orders, <laughs> which is, <laughs> um, so I think something, you know, we talked about like, you know, Don, you were saying like, you can make change with your family. I think there's also like, there's some people where like, that's a lot more work. That's an ongoing thing. Mm -hmm. And I think even before, like if you're not comfortable getting to that point, I think one way you can get some relief from this is like, we've talked about the importance of fat friends. Oh yeah. And if you're a fat person having fat friends, so you can just kind of like be yourself and not be in this, you know, weird mode of your thin friends, body neurosis, which like is valid. (laughs) But when you're a fat person where it's like, I, I'm less likely to get a job. I can't get clothes yeah. anywhere. I can't, you know, there's all these things. Whereas your thin friend is yeah. like, Oh my God, my 34s don't fit. Having a fat friend and having a meal with a fat friend or many fat friends, like doing fat brunch or something hmm. is a wonderful experience that is just so different than having brunch or something with your friend who has their body neurosis. And it's like, Oh, well, wait, you know, like it, the, the, like negotiations of like, oh, should we get like a big table pancake? It's like, oh, I don't know. 
Uh, I don't yeah. know. No, we shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to know. I want to know if and your listeners, let us know. I want to know if people have had an experience of going out to a meal with fat friends and they bring their food neuroses with them. Mm. Like, oh, you know, I really shouldn't, but okay. And like, do, does that invade the conversation even though <laughs> there are no thin people there to police you? Or do you get, or do you get genuine I, freedom from that? I would like to know that. Yeah. I would say it is, uh, it is the opposite because it is like, this is our safe space. <laughs> I don't want a table pancake. I want us both to get our own pancakes. I want my own table and my own pancake. And then you, my own no, table. you get the lemon poppy seed pancakes and I'll get the cinnamon roll pancakes. <laughs> oh, and that's, then here's, one of my favorite things is to like, we both want the same or we both want different things, but we each want to try. It's like, okay, well you get that and I'll get this and then we'll oh, yeah. get something for the table mm-hmm. and we'll each share like. I'm all about it. That's just standard operating procedure. What's <laughs> yeah. wrong with you? So after this conversation, I think uh, I have been inspired after, I think of something Dan said, I want to get a dog training clicker. Yes. And every time someone says something inappropriate like that at the dinner table or after, snap, snap, snap. You know, <laughs> I think that might get them to stop very quickly. After well, a I, days. I, I think, I mean, first they have to notice it, but, but the other thing is it has to get backed up. Yeah, because if it otherwise it'll be what it's always been, which is this huge argument and taffy pull and but, you know, walking away, they can't have the conversation with you. Fair. That's fair. So do we have a tip for today? We certainly do. (gasps) So uh, we have shared many of uh, Gianluca Russo's articles uh, talking about the fat and the fashion industry and plus male fashion. And he has a new book out Hmm. called The Power of Plus. Um, Power Plus colon Inside Fashion Size Inclusivity Revolution. Um, this is very exciting. This has been a long time in the making. And he has a lot of great interviews with uh, plus size fashion icons, people who are in the plus size spotlight. And basically the point of the book is that this isn't just some fashion fad. This isn't just some like, you know, throw the fatties some, some garments it's actually part of a bigger look at the fashion industry responding to consumers. How does the fashion industry respond to consumers? Mm -hmm. Because they have a long history of not responding to consumers, Mm. uh, basically of telling consumers what they need to wear and, and excluding people based on that. So this book really gets into some of the politics, some of the anecdotes of how that all comes together. Uh, it is pretty much just women's fashion, but not Mm -hmm. exclusively. Nice. Maybe, and that's out currently? Yes. yes, it is out. It is out now. It is... Um, What's the title again? The Power of Plus, colon, Inside Fashion's Size Inclusivity Revolution. Yeah. Nice. Um, and, and the colon is a punctuation mark, not a... Not an actual colon. Not an organ. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> um, also just... Because uh, if I it mean, was, the book would be full of shit. Oh, good job. Uh, <laughs> you can also regularly see... A, <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. You can also Welcome. regularly Welcome see. Uh, <laughs> Trevor's over here on his own yeah. just trying to do the show. <laughs> you can also regularly see uh, Jean-Luc's column in Nylon Plus Us mm. uh, talking about this issue as it continues on beyond the book. Nice. Listeners, if you get this book, let me know what you think. Let me. Yeah. I'm curious. Let uh, us know. We we could use some mailbags. We need. We want to hear from you. It's. We, yeah. I think we got too used to bigger Vegas and getting to actually talk to people, and now now there's a lull, and it's like I want to our podcast into I'm, the silence. I'm sitting alone at my desk, <laughs> waiting the show. waiting for the mailbag. Just it's empty. For the mailbag. I haven't played the music in so long. It's, <laughs> it's been so many days. Now you see. Now you need the birds. Now you need the birds. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's have a bit for the day. A bit. Bit boy. No bit today. Make that bit. <gasps> what? No, I'm lying. I'm lying. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> so since we were talking about sharing food today, um, I thought it might be interesting for us to engage in some uh, interesting dishes that maybe we could partake in at some point. Ooh, I'm into this. Oh. So here are some strange dishes from around the world. Um, so let's start off with kiviak. What? Ooh. Kiviak is a dish made by the Inuit of Greenland. Though originally used as a way to preserve food for the winter months, it's actually uh, often consumed around Christmas time for sp- or for special occasions. What does kiviak consist of? So option one, a slurry of fish packed in a semi-permeable sack and stored in sulfur hot springs. Who doesn't love a good slurry? Two, in sulfur. <laughs> pickled licorice infused jellyfish. Oh. Huh. Three, 
Hundreds of tiny birds stuffed into a seal carcass and fermented for months. Now that's a thing. Or cured ham wrapped in salted whale blubber and then crusted with salt. Hmm. One of these is a real dish. I, I was thinking of a Just different one. dish. <laughs> um, I'm going to say the fish paste in the... A fish sulfur. paste in a sack in a sulfur hot spring? Yes. Okay. Unless it, yeah, I'm going to go with that because I think All right. that's the right kind of gross. I'm going to go with the candied jellyfish in the licorice. Pickled licorice infused jellyfish. That sounds absolutely arctic. Yeah. <laughs> they do love their licorice. They do. There. They do. Well, I'm a coward, so I'm going to go with Trevor's guess. <laughs> <laughs> what well, do we got done? The correct answer is, in fact... Uh, hundreds of tiny birds stuffed into a seal <gasps> no. carcass and fermented for months. Oh, uh, Kibiak is a dish from Greenland consisting of hundreds of dead auk birds stuffed into the body of a dead seal. <laughs> the seal is then sealed up to be completely airtight, covered in oil to repel flies and maggots, and then fermented for three months. Oh, well, at least they're repelling oh, well, the you, flies you, and maggots. You yep. didn't say the three months part. That makes it delicious. I mean, <laughs> I knew. So I was, um, maybe I won't say what I thought it was going to be because it'll come up. I guess I was thinking of maybe Iceland dishes because I know a bunch of those that are super gross and. Um, oh, we are just beginning the. Yeah. <laughs> but I sh- that makes sense. I'll, I'll spare you the rest of. Well, this. what's fascinating is like you don't eat the seal; you pull the birds out, <laughs> which are put in. No, because that full. would be gross. Yeah, <laughs> you put it. You take out well, these tiny birds. Disgusting. There are literally hundreds of them in there, oh, and great. then you kind of shuck them and oh. suck out the innards after you pop the head up. Oh, see, uh, I don't and know so why this, this is a festive dish still eaten for Christmas and birthdays. Oh, I can totally see. I mean, sucking yeah. out the innards of dead of dead birds. That's a party favorite. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, let's keep, okay. let's just keep <laughs> trucking along. All right. So if you're having Jewish guests over and you want to serve them a excellent insect cuisine uh, dish of some sort, what is the only type of insect considered to be kosher by the Jewish faith? Hmm. One, locusts, two, <laughs> crickets, three, mealworms, or four, ants. Extra points if you know why. I'm going to go with the locust. I'm going to one I'm, for locusts. I know locusts were a plague. I can't imagine why that would make them kosher. <laughs> well, because they're involved in the freeing of the Jews from Egypt, which would be my, uh, that's my guess. You're, you're going to thank them by eating them? You monster. That's actually not a bad guess. All right, I'm going with Dan. I know it's I have one of the plagues, but. I guess, I mean, the plagues weren't affecting the Jews. That's so the it was, The plagues were affecting I know, Pharaoh but, and, his, and the Egyptians. See, I would think it would be more about, like, what the insects eat. Like, where they <laughs> oh, live. Oh, I see, I see. I'm, like, putting locusts out because I think that would just be, like, a lot of work to eat. <laughs> And then I'm thinking, okay, so grasshoppers, mealworms, or ants. <laughs> I'm, Trevor, the stakes are so high. Do not get this wrong. <laughs> no, just you, can, this is, you will die. <laughs> I have uh, right now. I, there's someone listening to this on the cutting room floor in pins and needles, yeah. waiting for his answer. No, because I have. I mean, because I had did like a lot of research into entomology. <laughs> oh, that's true. Of eating yeah. insects, so I'm like trying to think back to all that research I did. I'm gonna go with okay. I've eliminated the mealworms or ants. I'm gonna go with mealworms just because. I feel like those are the more, they're more pleasant to eat. Okay. So we got one for mealworms and two for locusts. And the correct answer is, in fact, locusts. <gasps> yes. Was it because of Jan? It is actually indirectly yeah. uh, correct. There's two reasons that uh, I, I found. Okay. Apparently, the thorax of the locust looks like a specific uh, letter in the Hebrew alphabet. Oh, okay. That is though it's labeling them that it's okay to eat. Apparently mm. the other th- reason is because, uh, because of their swarming, right. They'll come oh. down, they'll wipe out crops. So as long as the locusts themselves are edible, uh, considered edible by your faith, you still have something to eat after the locusts have eaten have all of your food. Decimated your food supply. That, that makes sense. That reminds Plus me they're all in food coma and they're easy to catch. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a joke in Futurama where Fry is trying to get Leela a birthday present. And he's at a pet shop and he's like, well, he's looking at the options. One of them's a parrot and one of them's, I don't know, a bunch of flies or something. And he's like, girls love swarms of things. Right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last but not least, which of these is in fact an actual Canadian recipe that is still in common use? Well, still in occasional usage today. I can't imagine how common it is. Okay. All right. One, candied moose testicles. Two. You wouldn't candy them. Jellied moose nose. 
Mm. Three, <sighs> moose eye chutney. Ah. Or four, crushed moose antler soup thickener. That makes, oh wait, mm. aren't antlers bone? Well, I guess that would work. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> One of these is a real thing. Jellied moose nose just sounds right. <laughs> Does it? I think, I think it's, it's a little too on the nose, Trevor. <laughs> I'm going for the candy. Wow. You're welcome. Even I have to say, wow. <laughs> I'm Jeez. fully ignoring it. I'm going for the candied um, testicles because, once again, there's a joke in Futurama where they, never mind. I'm, I think because <laughs> Michael loves balls. <laughs> All right. uh, I, um, I'm going to count. Testicles. I was just wondering anyway, what you were going to do. I think it's probably 100% wrong, but I'm going to go with the candied moose testicles just because it amuses me. All right, we have a ball fixation among the chasers in the rooms. <laughs> All right, and the correct answer is, in fact, jellied moose nose. Of course See, it, it is. sounds right. Um, it's basically the, sure. the <laughs> nose is used. You, um, They are very pointedly pointed out that you must remove all the nose hair first. Oh, and wow. then you basically boil it down, pour broth over it, and then boil it down again. Oh, my God. And oh. it creates, it's basically moose nose head cheese. <laughs> And well, when you put it like that, sure, that's delicious. I'm supposed to go to lunch after this. <laughs> Not anymore. Are you going to have some jellied moose nose? <laughs> yep. Canadian cuisine. <laughs> We're going to that famous restaurant, the Canadian one. <laughs> I mean, why settle for poutine when you can have jellied moose nose? Trevor, if people have jellied moose nose stories, where could they go to tell us about them? Well, we're on Instagram and Twitter as at Big Fat Gay Pod. We're on Facebook as the Big Fat Gay Podcast. Five stars there. Five stars on Apple Podcast, wherever you can leave five stars. Support us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Big Fat Gay Pod. See the articles we talked about at www.bigfatgaypod.com. Maybe you're uh, you're with us. We're at we're at a, it's a big fat gay brunch and well it's, okay, so I'm Ooh, gonna get fun. the jellied moose nose. Ugh. So I'll get that, and then you can get the lemon poppy seed pan- pancakes, Michael. Yeah. And listener, <laughs> you can get the uh, the watch the, out. Yeah, the watch out. <laughs>